The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 165. Today, the Bible Study Podcast starts a study on money. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. One of the requests that I got when we were studying Acts was that we follow up Acts with a study on money. Well, you're in luck if that's something you were looking forward to, and you're not, of course, if you weren't, because the Bible talks about money quite a lot. Jesus talks about money more than he talks about most other issues, certainly more than he talks about what we would consider the controversial issues of today's theology things like abortion or homosexuality, of those sorts of things, Jesus doesn't really address, but he talks a whole lot about money. And my suspicion is we'll find as we look at what Jesus says about money that it is, in fact, much more controversial than we realize. I'm afraid that as we get into this study, I will probably cross the line at some point and talk a little politics, not intending to be a political study, but you can't really separate the two within the U.S., so I'll just give you that warning up front. And also, this study will probably be a little more personal than some, because I'll tell you some of my journey as I try and understand what God intends us to do and what our relationship to money should be. And with that introduction, when I was in college and I studied engineering in school in upstate New York at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, shortly after I got engaged to my wife, we started going to a church, and I'm not going to mention the particular denomination of the church, but one of the things that they did when I got there as a visitor is they gave me a book, which is God Wants You to Be Rich. And the title for this episode will be God Wants You to Be Rich, Right. And so we're going to look at the theology that this book talks about. And I'll tell you up front that this is not my theology, but it's an important one to understand as we start to look at what the Bible says about money. Because there is, within the Old Testament especially, a strain or a thread of conversation about obedience to God leads to prospering. And so there is certainly some biblical evidence that if I'm a Christian, everything will go well, my crops won't fail, and I'll get prosperous. So we're going to look at some of the verses that back that up before we talk about some of the verses that may challenge it. So if we look, for instance, back in the Old Testament, we first have to look probably at Abraham or Abram, because Abram is somebody who is blessed by God. Abram is the founder of what becomes the Jewish religion and therefore the founder of Christianity as well in that sense, in this sense that God starts to raise a people of faith through Abraham, and God certainly blesses Abraham. In fact, God blesses Abraham so much that it actually becomes a problem for him because he and Lot actually have such large flocks, we read about in Genesis 13, that it becomes a quarrel. Now, Lot was moving around with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. After quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot, the Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarrel between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And so... 
Abraham and Lot actually have to part because they've been so blessed by God. They have so much. It says in verse 2 of that same chapter, he became very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. Okay, So Abraham is blessed by God. And then the next person who I think of is Abraham's grandson, who is Jacob. And Jacob doesn't have anything, and he goes to work for his father-in-law. And they make this deal in Genesis 30. Then let's read this section here. What shall I give you, he asked. Don't give me anything, Jacob replied, but if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark-colored lamb, or every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages, and my honesty will testify for me in the future whenever you check on the wages that you have paid me. Any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted, or any lamb that is not dark-colored, will be considered stolen. Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. The same day he removed all the male goats who were streaked or spotted, and all the speckled or female goats, and all had spots on them, and all the dark-colored lambs. Okay. So he goes ahead and he does some odd things with cutting fresh branches, and he's placing branches over the lambs who are in heat who have speckled and things like that, that I'm going to skip over as an animal husbandry lesson and a dubious one at that. But basically... At the end of that chapter, in verse 43, it says, In this way the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maidservants and menservants and camels and donkeys. That Jacob, through some of his own cunning and through some of the blessing of God, is starting with nothing except for a few sheep, a few spotted sheep from his father-in-law, and ends up with large flocks and a rich man. And similarly, we get Joseph. Remember Joseph, who is sold into slavery. What does it say? The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. He lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And even after he's thrown into jail, the Lord is with him, and things go well for him, and people put responsibility in him. And again, when Egypt is put in trusted with him because the Lord is with him, it prospers. There is that theme of the Lord with and prosper. And then again, when we get to the people of Israel, when they're going through the Sinai and they're given the law, they're told, see, I'm setting before you, and this is coming from Deuteronomy 11, see, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord, your God, that I'm giving you today, a curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord, your God, and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods. And similarly in 1 Kings 2, verse 3, And observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements as written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they will live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. And so, This is David's charge to Solomon, that if he is obedient to what God says, if he does what he should do, then God will cause him to prosper. And Solomon does prosper, exceedingly, exceedingly much so. Deuteronomy 5.33, walk in all the ways that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. 
Deuteronomy 28.11, The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the younger of your livestock, and your crops and your ground, and the land that he swore to your fathers to give you. This is a theme that we can't ignore that this theme is there in the Old Testament. This is part of the reason that people are encouraged to be obedient. Joshua 1.8, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouths. Meditate it on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Okay. So if I'm a Christian, I will become rich. Right? There's certainly truth in what this is saying. This theology, sometimes called a theology of glory, that says that God intends for us to prosper. And you saw the verses that it's based on. That's certainly true. But... Let's look at a few other exceptions today, and we'll get into more detail next week. Job is someone who is prosperous, and everything is taken away. But it's not taken away because he is disobedient. But remember, his friends spend much of the book of Job saying, what is it that you did that caused God to take away what you had? Because clearly, This theology that says that God will prosper those who are obedient implies that if you are disobedient, he will take it away. That's what he says in those books. And yet Job was not disobedient, and all that he had was taken away. Yes, in the end, he is prosperous again, but it's more complicated than that, isn't it? If God prospers those of us who follow him, then shouldn't that make those who are his closest followers, the closest followers of Jesus in the New Testament, the richest people? Certainly Peter and James and John are obedient to Jesus. They are obedient to him, in Peter and James' case, unto death. And yet they never become rich. Jesus is obedient to the Father, and yet lives a life where he has no place, he says, to lie his head. And so there is certainly a theme in the Bible that says that God will prosper those who are obedient to him. But let's pause and say it's a little more complicated. Just to finish the personal story here, I actually left that church, and I left it because they gave me that book. And it isn't that I thought that God didn't want me to prosper. In fact, I knew that as someone who was training to be an engineer, which is what I was doing at the time, I probably would be prosperous. I probably would make, in the last job I had, an engineering job, a six-figure salary. But I went back to a church which was an uncomfortable church for me. It was an Episcopal church that we were going to that had a large number of students in it, engineering students, very bright and soon-to-be prosperous people, all poor at the time, but with great potential. But it also had a ministry to the mentally retarded and developmentally disabled. And at that time in my life, it was much more important for me to hear that God cared for me, but that God also cared for people who weren't as smart as me, that God also cared for people who weren't going to be as rich as me, than it was for me to hear a message that God wanted to prosper me, that God wanted me to be rich. 
We'll talk more about this as this study continues next week, but that's where we'll wrap up this week. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave them as a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.